1: Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brad Bernard, Dave Schrader, and Mike Molina. We'll be right back. Kickoff Part 3, Tom Bernard Show.
2: Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions, or they try to settle your case early and cheap.
1: Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys,
2: it's been, good. <laughs> it's been good
1: ladies and gentlemen it's been good
2: and how do they contact you at uh, e- either through our website which is minnesota personal, minnesota personal injury.com or at 800-770-7008 michael bryant bradshaw and bryant
1: due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by walzer automotive on tom bernard podcast you hopefully know that walzer sells cars Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com Love and marriage, love and marriage they go
0: together like a horse and carriage this. Oh, no,
1: it's Valentine's brother, Day tomorrow and everybody's all hyped up about being in love. Brother. It's a good thing. Now speaking of special events, darkness, Dave has a special event coming up. Darkness.
3: Yes, we're going to be doing the uh, polar plunge. My son who's a Navy vet and, and is a um, uh, Minneapolis firefighter does the polar plunge every year to help raise money for the special Olympics. And I agreed to partner up with him this year. We're going to take the plunge together to raise money for special Olympians uh, because all the money that we raise goes to help training, uh, uniforms, travel expenses, and to get these great athletes out and into the games and into the mix. So, uh, I was, you know, your, your audience has always been so great at helping us with like our Halloween for Hunger campaign and everything. I thought I'd mention we're going to be doing this, doing the plunge in a couple weeks. You can email me, dave at darknessradio.com. That's dave at darknessradio.com, and I'll send you a link if you'd like to make a donation a buck, five, ten, twenty, whatever you can afford. To help us out and our goal is only three grand last year we hit almost five thousand dollars so i'm sure we could probably get up there as well but uh, it's a great opportunity to raise awareness for the special olympics that is a wonderful thing special olympics uh the polar plunge is when again uh gosh i can't remember the date offhand but it's about three weeks out and i get the uh, joy of jumping into icy cold frigid water in minnesota
1: What do you mean? It'll be March. It'll be toasty. (laughs) Yeah, it could be up in the the high teens. It could be in the high
3: (laughs)
4: teens when you do it.
1: No problem. Everything will be fine. Ladies and gentlemen, the Polar Plunge just a few weeks away. And we'll we'll talk about it every week, as a matter of fact, leading up to the event. So you'll know exactly uh, when it is so you can attend and cheer Darkness Dave on. Has he has a heart attack because of the freezing
3: water. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, I'm going to be, uh, oh, no, we're going to try to Facebook live my plunge so that uh, people oh, can, are. yeah, people can tune in. <laughs> so if you make donations, you get that link and I'll show you how you can uh, join along. I got my straw hat, my old time uh, 1920s swimsuit for the plunge. So that's what I'm going to go.
1: Oh, I like it. Yeah, I love that. I
3: think it's around Ooh, March 3rd. At
1: the top for the men. Yeah, that's right. It's March all, 3rd. That, right
3: around March 3rd. That whole one piece, fancy, okay. sexy looking uh, swimsuit. I
1: love it. Stan Laurel had one, I believe. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, You know, I noticed something. Ever since uh, idiot Robert De Niro said that he came from a backward country, said that the Middle East, and this whole thing with Kim Yo-Young and all that, and people go, oh, my God, for a murderer, she's really great, she's fantastic, the director of agitation. I now notice some negative stories on, on news websites about other countries, and you never see that. You never see negative stories about other countries on, on most news sites in America. Mm-hmm. It's always about beating up one another, whether it's the right beating up the left or the left beating up the right or whatever. I've noticed now several negative stories about other countries popping up today, and I wonder if it's in response to that whole thing. Uh, although I don't think it, the De Niro story hasn't been around long enough, that ridiculous comment that he made in the Middle East. But I'm wondering if this Kim Yo-Young story has... Uh, I think they got a few complaints about
3: it. Let me put it that way. Don't you think? I would. I would assume so. I. But I would. I've I, so. I, thrown my hands up of trying to understand the logic of any of, of the world at this point. It's things are backwards, Tom.
1: Yes, they are. They. It's just unbelievable. One of the negative stories that popped up. but I've never seen a story like this before. Uh, how to spot gay people? Malaysia newspaper has a list. Of how to spot gay people. Uh, I've never seen a story like this on a. On a uh, this is from Newser. Newser is a left leaning uh, web, news website. And it's pretty far left leaning, actually. So for them to print something like this, there's been some backlash going on, I'll tell you that. <laughs> They're trying to lighten the mode? Yes, apparently. A top newspaper in Malaysia has produced a guide on spotting homosexuals on the street. It may sound nuts, but The Guardian has some of the tips from the daily Sinar Harian. Gay men, it seems, are partial to facial hair and branded clothing. Like to wear tight clothes to show off their six-pack abs and frequent the gym not only to work out, but to watch other men work out. Lesbians, on the other hand, are always hugging each other. (laughs) (laughs) Generalization much?
3: (laughs) Not at all.
1: They're always hugging each other, holding hands and saying bad things about men. Now, this is according to a top uh, newspaper in Malaysia. Right. Got it. As you might expect, the list is being ridiculed far and wide and uh, might be funnier if not for one thing. Homosexuality is illegal in Malaysia and punishable by an old colonial law of up to 20 years in prison, notes the Washington Post. Now, see, there it is. The Washington Post is involved in this story. The Washington Post was one of the newspapers that couldn't stop praising Kim yo Jong, So there, there's been such a backlash. They're now, oh, wait a minute, wait, oh, God, wait a minute, wait. So the Washington Post is already on board. Advocates are worried the list may set off anti-gay violence in a nation known for it. Last year, for instance, an 18-year-old student was burned to death by classmates who suspected him of being gay. If you really want to educate society, then explain to them the traits of a pedophile, a molester, a murderer, a kidnapper, people who actually endanger the lives of others. Oh, you mean like Kim Yo-Young? You mean like her? Says one of the nation's biggest social media stars, Arvin Arvin Kumar. How the hell does a gay person endanger your life? Uh, And to close out, the Malaysian newspaper says, gay men are
3: partial to full beards. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know what that. I don't know what that means. Yeah, this is some really right. bad profiling right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much you're profiling, and you can get 20 years in prison in Malaysia for being gay. But you just don't see these these negative stories about other countries. But today, all of a sudden, they're there. Here's another one. Now, this guy's been ripped in the national press before, but this 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 is pretty direct. You know Duterte, right? Right. Uh critic calls him the epitome of misogyny and fascism, okay? Duterte, this is the, uh, the headline, by the way. I'm not making this up. This is the headline of the story that, again, is on Newser, that uh, news website. Duterte boasts of order to shoot women in the vagina. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs>
1: That's what the headline what? is. In addition to saying he should uh, have been first to assault a beautiful rape victim, Rodrigo Duterte once told soldiers he'd protect them if they raped women. His misogynistic rhetoric only continued with comments last week, drawing outrage even as a spokesman claims the Philippine president shouldn't be taken literally. Yes, don't take it literally to say uh, a beautiful rape victim. He should have been first. Yeah, that he don't take that literally. Yikes. It, uh, yikes indeed his misogynistic rhetoric only continued with comments last week drawing outrage even as a spokesman claims the philippine president shouldn't be taken literally in a february 7th speech now gaining attention duterte said he'd order sol- soldiers to shoot female maoist rebels with uh, while mayor of davao city only the order was a bit more specific than that so he wanted to shoot female maoist rebels uh, tell the soldiers there's a new order. We will not kill you, we will just shoot you in the vagina, Duterte said. Ugh. The woman would be useless without vaginas, he added. I <laughs> Jesus. Have you ever seen a story like this in no. the last several years? No. This
3: sounds like something I mean, from a, a a Farley Brothers movie or some
1: ridiculous thing. It really does. And I, I'm very serious. I think this. there was so much backlash to this Yo Young stuff that they're going, oh, no, wait a minute, wait, there, there are other countries that are much worse than we are. Yeah, well, maybe you should tell Robert De Niro that before he runs his mouth over in the Middle East again about how backward we are. Compared to uh, Malaysia and the Philippines, we're we're not too backward, and I would say most other
3: countries in the world. Well, what was De Niro referring to specifically? I mean, was there a point to what he was referring to as backward, or is he, and I know you Uh, won't like this, but I mean, was he being taken out of context?
1: No, no, he was talking about Donald Trump, uh, how backward Donald Trump is, and therefore the country is now backward. And uh, we need to uh, reel it back in, apparently. That's, uh, and then he, at the end of the, uh, the uh, story, he talked about, uh, yeah, I mean, it was basically aimed at Trump. He's a Trump hater because there's money to be made in Hollywood if you're a Trump hater. And look, I'm not a Trump supporter, so I'm not defending Donald Trump either. I don't know why he says the things he says, like what he said about Rob Porter. I will never understand why the president thought that was a good idea. Oh, you know, come on, he's a good guy. Yeah, there's going to have to be due process. He punched women, pal. Let's not defend a guy who punches women in the face, shall we? Just a thought. Yeah. You know? Calling Duterte the epitome of misogyny and fascism, Emmy De Jesus of the Gabriela Women's Party says the comment takes state terrorism against women and the people to a whole new level. Carlos H. Conde. Of Human Rights Watch adds it encourages state forces to commit sexual violence during armed conflict. But spokesman Harry Roque suggests Duterte was only joking and says he views women's welfare as a priority. Yeah, it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Oof. It sounds like he's all about women's welfare. Sometimes these feminists are really a bit overreaching. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes, that's funny. Come on, is... just laugh. Wow. That's what he said. He said, I mean, what he said was funny. Come on, just laugh at it. Uh, the outlet notes Duterte also discussed women after the International Criminal Court began investigating him for crimes against humanity last week, noting he didn't mind being imprisoned if it meant conjugal visits by more than one woman. So if you send hookers in, I don't mind going to... Prison. Oh,
3: my God.
1: Uh... Holy God. Okay. <clears throat> well... I don't care who you are, the United States doesn't look too bad now, does it? It's the end of the world as we know it. This is. Is it, uh, and it, and it, is it because of the internet? Is it because of social media that people have completely lost their minds
3: now? Sure, we've broken from that bond of, of true conversation and face to face talk. Yeah. And now there's this disassociative behavior from everybody that. You know, you can say what you want, act as you want, and you're validated for your point. And because we become a touchy-feely, overly huggy population where everybody gets a say, even if it's hate speech, Mm -hmm. because that's our God-given right, it's kind of – our world is in a bit of a a free fall. And what do you think – do you think there's anything that can bring us back
1: from the edge – I mean, is there EMPs, that man? We can do?
3: EMPs. I think somebody knocking out our mainframe and people having to communicate with one another again and act like a community is about the only thing that's going to draw us back together.
1: You know that, and that's what well, I've been I'll,
3: saying is you know burn
4: yeah. Twitter down.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: burn it all down. It was burned to the ground until Trump came along and brought it back to life. It was over until yeah. he brought it back to life.
4: It'd be nice if he hadn't done
1: that. I would agree with you. Facebook is, I know, in a major scramble right now because they've. Uh, you know, steering damage people, control, things yeah. like that. Damage control. They're doing da- tons of damage control. I, I do not go on. I would love to go back on social media. Uh, matter of fact, the first time I ever had any discussion at all with Cassie, your lovely wife, it was because she tweeted me and I tweeted her back. You know, just thought she was a listener to the KQ Morning Show. I used to love to talk to the listeners of the KQ Morning Show. And now, because I don't go on social media, there are some of them I haven't talked to in five years, which is far too long. And I wish it, you know, it hadn't been that long. But I'm just afraid if I do hop back on Facebook and Twitter, I'm just going to end up telling people to go f themselves again on a 24-hour basis.
3: <laughs> well, you have to kind of rise above, yeah. Tom, on on those cases because it's rough. There are people out there who just feel that they have, you know, and I have and heard Catherine mention it as well, and watch her post. People feel the need to voice their opinion, and, and that's the one thing we need to start teaching our children again, is that mm-hmm. sometimes it's okay to just shut up. And that your opinion, although it's important, isn't yeah, yeah, necessarily right. worth sharing if it's going to cause anger, hatred, and and vitriol. And if, if, the, if your opinion is nothing but negativity, you know what, sometimes it doesn't matter. You could just be quiet about it, and hey, you know maybe I'm, I'm old right, thinking being in that. Quiet
1: about it is a good idea.
3: Yeah, but you've got it. we we've just got to learn decency among people again, and learn that there's we got to turn that switch back on that tells us ah 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 I probably shouldn't say that in public. That opinion might be mine, but it's not important enough I to like to upturn the, the civilization. I do like
1: that take on it. Maybe, maybe we should learn to be a community again, and that that's what surprises me is. Do people really think by destroying one segment of the population it'll bring us all back together? In other words this whole white supremacy thing. I mean you talk about a sales tool. That the, the term white supremacy is a fantastic sales tool. Yeah. Do you really think that most white people, particularly white men are white supremacists? Yes, it's they a do. ridiculous position. Ridiculous position.
4: Well, stupid people will always be easy to get money
1: from. I guess so. I guess it's true. More great stories coming up in
4: the second part of this hour, Tom Bernard show. I'm Brad Huckle, President of North American Banking Company.
1: This is Tom, and I've been telling you how easy it has been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. My goal has been to lose 92.5 pounds. Well, I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and I can't wait to shed those extra unwanted pounds. Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss program. It's just so easy, and they guarantee that you will lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. The team at Nutramost in Plymouth will support you every step of the way on your wellness and weight loss journey. Then, after you hit your goal, Nutrimost in Plymouth is there for you with the Nutrimost Forever Plan, an all-inclusive wellness program that improves and promotes healthy living and choices. Nutrimost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutrimost Plymouth, located just off Highway 55 and 494. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Three, at the Cobra,
4: Cobra Cabana, the hottest spot north of Havana.
1: He at the Cobra, Cobra. I heard he liked men with full beards. Is that true?
0: Yeah, I heard this is a bestseller in Malaysia too. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure it's a bestseller over there in Malaysia. And of course, don't. Uh, as long as you're headed to that part of the world, don't forget to stop by uh, the Philippines and shoot women in the vagina.
0: No, yeah. I would. I, I, I would just, like to be at Copacabana right now for Carnival.
1: Uh, Carnival's going on right now. Yeah, it's
0: Fat Tuesday too.
1: It is Fat Tuesday.
0: Yeah, Mardi Gras.
1: I thought Fat Tuesday was the, was the first Tuesday of the month, but it's.
3: How do they figure out when
1: Fat Tuesday is?
0: It's the day before Ash Wednesday, I think. Always. Oh, that's right. It's and the guys, day
3: before Ash Wednesday. It's a little insensitive to call it Fat Tuesday. Can we just call it Luxurious Tuesday?
1: <laughs> Luxurious Tuesday.
3: I don't want Tuesday not to not feel isolated TV and TV. alienated from the other days of the week. See, how could you argue with that? You can't <laughs> argue with
1: that point. It's very sensitive and very touching. And I will say this. I've known Darkness Day for, for a long time now, and he's never thrown a Blackberry into
3: a cartoon character's mouth. So that's good. But given the choice... I,
1: But given the choice would (laughs) be Mr. What's his name?
3: Mr. what? McGregor. Farmer McGregor. Mr.
1: McGregor. Farmer McGregor. Yep. We might learn something. This article is from The Atlantic. The Atlantic's been around for a long time. A better way to look at most every political issue. Americans would be less alienated from one another and solve problems more easily if they recognized one little notice distinction in policy debates. This might mean something. I hope it does. We sometimes think of political issues in binary terms. Is someone pro-life or pro-choice? But most individuals hold views that are more complicated than a binary can capture. An alternative is to describe a given position on a spectrum. Well, why haven't we been doing that? Because that is our problem in America. It is all or nothing. Right? It's not Mm -hmm. degree. It's not not on a spectrum at all. There's no degree to it. You either are or you aren't. And that's why it's so easy to hate you. Isn't that weird? Yeah. On abortion, an outright ban sits at one extreme, and the other is the elimination of all restrictions on the procedure. In between are a staggering array of coherently distinguishable positions. Politicians seeking to win votes express their stances, either in terms of a binary or as a spot on a spectrum, depending on where they see the greatest advantage. That is the huge problem. The politician's greatest advantage is a huge problem we have in America. Well, around the world, actually. Though their beliefs don't change, how they frame them makes a political difference. There's a different set of frames, though, that are as relevant as binaries and spectrums, though they are less familiar and less uh, discussed. Equilibriums and limits. Most political stances can be understood in terms of an equilibrium. For instance, some people might believe that access to abortion in a conservative state is too restricted under the status quo and favor relaxing the rules, regulating abortion clinics. That is, they might favor shifting the equilibrium in a pro-choice direction. But ask those same voters, should there be any limits on legal abortion? And they might declare that the procedure should be banned in the last trimester of pregnancy unless the mother's health is threatened, insofar as the abortion debate is framed around the equilibrium. They will align with the pro-choice movement, but insofar as it is framed around limits, they will align with the
3: pro-life movement. Do you guys see it this way? Because I, th- I think it's a very good point, actually. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I mean, I think that's probably pretty much the way it would break down. Here's the deal. So basically what this is saying is you take
1: politicians or news people who are trying to make as much money as they can from being a politician or a news reader mm-hmm. uh, and they overstate positions, and then you turn people loose on social media, and you have no chance of ever having a decent conversation because you're either 100% uh, in the sunlight or 100% in the dark. There's nothing in between. And it's all about making money. It's
3: just its really sad, don't you think? Well, that's kind of where, you know, I mean... It is and it isn't. We've lost our way somewhere along the line. You know, making money the American way—that's what everybody's dream should be. But it's getting out and putting the work in, putting the time and effort in, and it's no longer you know not looking for shortcuts and riding the right. coattails and litigation in order to get to that point. It should be that you've you've put the backbreaking work in. You know, I mean the the, the people that came to our country years ago and worked hard to make their businesses thrive that's one thing that's that's really uh applaud you know you can applaud that and and is honorable then now now the problem is people come to the country and just because they're foreign they're given um certain rights and and uh promises from our government to open up businesses that supersede people that have been living here and, and working their butt off for a long time. So I can kind of see where some people throw their hands up and they just feel like they're in the minority of where the government just doesn't care about them anymore.
1: Right. No, I think that's very And true. I'm
3: not saying we shouldn't give options true. for foreign people to come here. That's Our country was based on people coming here, opening businesses, and starting new lives, and that's great. But as long as it's even keel across the board and everybody's being treated the same way i think that's what needs to be done we have to stop overcompensating for crimes that took place two three hundred years ago and right now from this point forward if if everybody wants to be equal it's got to be everybody being equal so when you come in this country you have the same opportunity i do for having been born here and then Mm -hmm. i who was born here get the same opportunity as somebody who just walked into the country so i get the same tax breaks and implications i get the same opportunity and am not alienated because well you're a white middle-class man, and you should have just been able to do this on your own.
1: Right, exactly. That's 100% the point. This whole idea of the white man being the, the creature that created all the problems on Earth is so idiotic, I can't even speak to it. First of all, Andy, how many millions of years have white people even existed? Uh... Not millions, I
4: don't think. I don't even think it's millions. It's like hundreds
1: of thousands of years, isn't it?
4: So. Let's see. Anatomically modern humans, aka the first humans ever who were not white, are only about 300,000 years old. So probably it. somewhere around the one hundred fifty, hundred thousand 100,000 range. About 100,000 range. Because
1: Cheddar Man, who's only 10,000 years ago, Cheddar Man was a Brit who was although he had blue eyes, had very dark skin. And that was only 10,000 years ago.
4: Uh, we don't know if that could just well, have that's been some too. black guy in Europe, though. It's hard to say. With blue eyes,
1: yeah, it does happen. They exist. Now imagine two individuals who appear to be on opposite sides of a different matter, okay? One aligns herself with what she calls the hashtag MeToo movement. The other declares herself a critic of the hashtag MeToo movement. Yet, digging deeper into their views on sexual harassment, it turns out that they are identical. They both believe workplaces ought to adopt policies that more effectively protect women from sexual harassment and that there should be robust due process protections to guard against false accusations. They even agree on the language of their optimal policies. What might explain their different postures toward hashtag me too? The first is focus on equilibriums. She believes that the status quo in American workplaces doesn't adequately protect female workers and that hashtag MeToo is likely to improve things by shifting the equilibrium, making it marginally more friendly to working women. In contrast, the second is focused on limits. She frets that hashtag MeToo is ending careers without adequate due process and enabling big injustices at the extremes. She worries that, left unchecked by opposition, it will spiral out of control because we are human beings and we do spiral out of control. Some Americans would feel less polarized and alienated from their fellow citizens if they re- recognize that some of the people fighting on the other side of a polarizing issue actually hold values and beliefs that are strikingly similar to their own. But we don't do that on social media, right? We don't ask on social media, well, tell me more about how, what you just said, about what you think,
4: No, because
1: I might agree with you. We don't do that on social media. We go, I read what you said, you're an idiot, and I hate you. That's what we do. So the combination of all the money that can be made by holding a a particular view, uh, a la politicians and and news uh, readers, um, there's also the fact that we of 140 characters on Twitter, and we can't waste any time asking, well, what do you really mean by that? Do you see that very much? Again, I have not been on social media in five years. Do you see people asking the question,
3: well, what do you mean by that statement? No, nobody takes that asks for clarification. They immediately go into judgmental mode, and this is what was meant. This is what was said. And, you know, implying their own thought process on this without getting clarification. Um, and I think that's, again, where the big problem is with this. Uh, you just don't get people having communication and talking anymore. And,
1: and that is, it, it certainly can't be, well, we just don't have the time. Because 100 years ago, people worked many, many, many more days a week, many more hours a day. Oh, so yeah. People have it pretty good these days. They do. They've got a lot of free time on their hands. So it's not a free time issue. It's a, I just don't want to believe any. I want everybody to know just how wonderful my viewpoint is, and if yours differs from mine at all, I don't want to try to find common ground. I want everyone to know how much I
3: hate you because you don't agree with me. It's an interesting position, don't you think? There was, I really thought was a fascinating deal on on, um, and it was amazing. You we are talking about Jimmy Fallon earlier. After the Super Bowl, right. they did the the uh, um, Tonight Show live from Minneapolis, right. and he's so State good at theater, right. He's so good at coming out and doing the. Um, I think it was the Orpheum, and, and he comes out and he does satirical oh, songs. Okay. But he came out and in honor of Bob Dylan and the fact that Dylan was once, a, I guess, a part owner of that theater, he came out he and was, did a yeah. Dylan song times they are a changing, but he, he changed the lyrics. And there was a lot of the, I thought it was very poignant. For once, listening to the celebrity, he had some really interesting aspects to say, instead of being angry at the football players taking a knee, why don't you reach your hand out and help them up to find out what their story is? What are they really upset about? And, you know, there was so much conjecture and, and placing blame in different points that I think that's where there's this huge de-evolve of, of conversation. You you hit, you hit fast and furious in the smallest amount of words you can, and it's more to cut and make a point than it is to actually figure out what each other is, you know, what, what they need from each other. What can we do to make this better?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I do enjoy in news publications now reading the comment sections because you you cannot believe how different people see different subjects. You don't, you don't ever see anybody in the comment section ask a question. Like, and I suppose because it's an, a, a printed article and the, the article is complete, they don't feel they'll get a response in any way, shape, or form. But see, if I commented on something like that, I would ask other commenters, well, well, what do you think they really meant by that? To see if I could learn anything instead of saying I absolutely agree with that or I absolutely disagree with that. Right? Right. So, yes, the the person the article is about or the person that wrote the article might not respond to your question, but other commenters might. And you might actually learn something.
3: Yeah. Right? That would be dangerous, wouldn't it?
1: Well, you wouldn't want to start learning <laughs> things. I mean, my
3: God, it's a terrible idea to start learning. Um, yeah, I,
1: I just the, – the one that really pushed me over the edge and really got me to a point where I thought these people have lost their minds – uh, is when is when Joan Rivers died. It was reported uh, in the newspaper that Joan Rivers had died, and one commenter said, "Thank God she's finally dead." How does it improve your life that Joan Rivers is dead? Because that's the only reason you'd be overjoyed about it is, is somehow it, it benefited you, right?
3: Right, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, people like they, like I said, everybody feels they have the right to say whatever they want to say without taking mm-hmm. any real thought into their uh, consciousness in, into the, the effort of what they're doing. And I think that's because we do have a new generation, Tom, that's coming up that has no real ramifications for their actions. And I think I'm, I'm worried about that generation and I'm not trying to lump everybody in together, but it's a big portion of our society that's in for a right. real rude awakening when they realize they can't just do what they want and say what they want and keep their jobs or keep their marriage or keep their life. And it's going to be a, a a massive culture shock when this generation really soaks in that realization that, oh, when I do this or say that, I'm asking for a butt kicking.
1: Right. One of my favorite stories of the week, and unfortunately their, their boat sank, but they went to go fund me rant and apparently raised money to to get a new uh, sailboat. Uh, these people are going to, this couple, young man and young woman, are going to sail the world. They're going to get a sailboat for $5,000, fix it up for another $5,000, and they were going to sail it around the world, a 28-foot sailboat. Um, they were 24 and 26 years old, and the reason they were going to do it was because they were fed up with the corporate world. Mm. You're 24, and you're fed up with corporate America.
4: They just know what's cool to say, not what it means. I guess that's true. I don't see how you can get fed up working
1: at a corporation after 24 months, but that's just me. (laughs) We'll be right back to wrap things up in the third part of the third hour of Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. Don't wait until spring to sell your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now, get the free staging package, and grab the opportunity before winter is over. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes.
0: Said I'd like to know when you got the notion To rock the boat, I don't rock
1: the boat, baby, rock the boat. I Don't tip the boat over, rock the boat, I don't rock the boat, baby,
4: rock
1: the boat. We are back, Never ladies and somebody, gentlemen. Tom Bernard Show. Um... Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. You guys have any plans for Valentine's Day tomorrow?
3: Not tomorrow. I'm taking uh, my beautiful wife out to the Medina Ballroom on Friday. We're going to see the Fab Four live. Uh, As a matter of fact, when I sit in for you on Thursday, we're going to be talking to the John Lennon of that band, uh, talking about the Fab Four, and we're also going to talk with uh, Susan Shumsky about um, George Harrison as his 75th birthday is approaching. So we've got that going on. Yeah, we're going to go out to dinner and go see uh, the, the Fab Four concert at Medina Ballroom. This weekend. Nothing tomorrow, but this weekend. Yeah, Wednesday, middle of the week, it's too hard with kids and school and everything. It's hard to get out and and do that stuff.
1: Now, Andy, I know what you're doing because uh, you and Mom and Alex and Fawn and I are going to have dinner, so we know that that's happening. Dan has to work. Uh I know that. Melina, what do you got?
0: Uh, I'm just having dinner with a friend.
1: Don't, so. don't sound too exciting Must uh, be a really close friend. Eh, I uh, gotta
3: get to hang out with some... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <it's> <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, un-yuck. we're just two
0: single friends, and she's... I don't know. We've been friends for a long time, and uh, she actually uh, had a long-term relationship that ended, unfortunately, uh, right before Christmas, so... No.
3: Trying to... Uh, yeah. You trying to work, are you trying to work your way out of no, the friend no no, zone? no, no, no. No, 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 uh-huh. we, We've
0: been friends too long where it's... Mm-hmm. You
3: no. Know, I just... uh Yeah feel bad. Remember the old saying, if you can't we love the one you want, love the one you're with. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. See? Yeah.
1: I think they should write a song. Yeah, they should. <laughs> It'd be a seller. They really should. it be a big seller, no <laughs> doubt about it. Well, we, uh, the four of us, kind of fit right into this study, as a matter of fact. Valentine's Day is tomorrow, and apparently it's bringing up some very strong feelings in people, not for their significant other, oh, God, no, about the day itself. According to a new survey... of people say Valentine's Day is their favorite holiday of the year. What? 13%. That's what they say. 6% say they hate Valentine's Day, and 5% say it's the most depressing day of the year. The survey also found that 23% of single women and 7% of single men say they're fine spending tomorrow with their dog or cat instead of another person. Right. Also, 23% of single people are planning to treat themselves to a nice dinner, 21% will watch romantic comedies, and 18% will buy themselves a gift. That's not sad at all. Nope, not sad at all. Uh, (laughs) Buying yourself a gift.
3: Uh, You uh, you can't love somebody else if you don't love yourself first, Tom.
1: Well, you know, you're absolutely right. Very good psychology right there. Mm -hmm. You have to love yourself first and then move on from there. 3% are taking a very different approach. They're planning to either hammer Tinder tomorrow looking for someone, <laughs> or they've already got a date set up from a Tinder match. Is so that what kids
3: are calling it today? Hammer and Tinder? Hammer and Tinder. That's exactly it. That's what the kids are calling it today. I thought it was
0: Netflix and chill.
3: You look tired, Mike. What's been up? I've been hammering Tinder, Dave. I've wow. been hammering Tinder. Yeah. And I would yeah. have loved to have heard Orson Welles do a commercial for Tinder. <laughs> exactly.
1: But doesn't he have to do anything? <laughs> ah, or Tinder. You know, ah, Tinder. All one must do is swipe right or left. <laughs> get whatever they'd
0: like. You should see Tinder at the Olympics.
1: Yeah. Oh, right. What? Oh, yeah.
0: oh, that's a big uh, deal this year, or this time around. Oh, tell me about it. No, just all the athletes, uh, you know, they get there. I guess they – every, every – Years you hear about whether it's summer or winter Olympics, the amount of condoms right. that are put in the athletes' village, This is like, geez,
3: yeah, and the, the manager's and and coaches, not even there this year. The coaches don't want them to do it because it takes the legs out, right? Oh, and Mickey, yeah, women will just weaken the legs.
0: Say. Women
1: weaken the
3: legs,
1: <laughs> settle down, Burgess, settle down. So, I didn't know, so Tinder's huge at the Olympics this year, All yeah,
0: right. yeah, really, yeah, it's just uh. Huh.
1: So wouldn't it be, so they're they're just going after other athletes from other countries or or from their own country? I don't think they care. Love the one you're with. They just don't care. That's right. Love the one you're with. That's it. They should write a song about that. Mm -hmm. Or did we talk about that? Mm -hmm. I think we mentioned that. Yeah. Some random facts for you. Miami is the only major city in America that was founded by a woman. Her name is Julia Tuttle, and she owned a citrus company. She founded the city of Miami. I was talking to a friend of mine. Who does a morning show in Miami? Did you know that the demographic... Now, he works at a classic rock station in Miami, right? Classic rock. We know the audience for classic rock. Uh, He does very well. He's he's had a big morning show for, God, about 30 years now, somewhere in there. Maybe a little more than 30 years. But uh, Miami now, the new demographics just came out. Miami is 70% Spanish. 20% African-American, and 10% Caucasian. Does that
3: sound like a big classic rock town to you? (laughs) It does not, (laughs) unless (laughs) Ricky Martin is now considered classic rock and Gloria Estefan.
1: (laughs) But he does very well, so I mean, it's like,
3: man, that's a tough
1: crowd right there. The longest word in English is 189,819 letters and would take three and a half hours to say it's a chemical name of a protein called titin. T-I-T-I-N. Is it titin? Titan? Yeah. Is it titin? Uh, yeah. But the actual word is the actual name for it.
4: Well, huh? that's, it's the chemical name, but yeah. that's not really, you know, how chemical names work. It's like you can call it that, but that's not what it's called.
1: The reason I looked up this list in the first place is I was told by and I can't remember somebody on the on the morning show told me about this and I didn't believe it, but they were absolutely correct. They weren't lying. Did you know that tug of war was a summer Olympic sport from 1900 to 1920?
4: Yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did
1: not know that. So you knew that? I did. See, you couldn't cheat at that. You would know because I see. I do think that the the judges cheat a lot in the Olympics, and that's one of the reasons I. I kind of avert my eyes whenever it's on because they get, oh, look, at this one judge gave him a 10 and the other judge gave him a minus 10. It's like, oh, God, really? Here come the politics from country to country again. But tug of war, you know who won or lost because whoever crosses that line, you just lost. Right?
3: Right. Yeah, there's no two ways stopped. about it.
1: There's no two ways about it, exactly. So in two years, when the Summer Olympics return... In uh, the year 2020, uh, tug-of-war will have been gone for 100 years as an Olympic sport. Why, I ask, why? I don't know. It
3: just wasn't uh, extreme enough.
1: Yeah, I suppose. It, it is a feat of strength, though.
3: Right. I mean, it does take a great deal of athletic ability and a great deal of strength to win a tug-of-war. I think you had a pit in the middle right. with crocodiles, it's going to be one of the Ooh. best ones. Yeah, right? You pull them in, that's it. I love it. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> Richard Gere went to
1: the University of Massachusetts Amherst for free on a gymnastics scholarship. Hmm. He majored in philosophy but dropped out after 2 years to pursue acting full time. And finally Reno, Nevada is actually west of Los Angeles, California because of the yeah, we knew that though, because of the way California curves at the bottom. A lot of people don't know that apparently that all a lot of stuff in Nevada is actually west of Los Angeles.
3: Hmm. I which did is not very know cool, that. Actually.
1: Well, there's a big bend at the bottom. You do, you did know that.
3: Are we still talking about right. Richard Gear?
1: Yes, we're still talking about <laughs> Richard Gere. and uh, you know the big poor bend guy. His ho- his whole life, whether it's true or not, and I don't care if it's true or not, but his whole life, he's going to have to hear about Richard Gere and a gerbil. Yes, because everybody insists it's true. Well, the, but we don't know if it's true,
3: do I, we? I don't think it's true. No, we do not. I, and and, yeah, and I that's like so. right up there with the Rod Stewart story. Which one's that? Oh, you don't uh, you don't recall that? That was big when I was a kid in the seventies and and early eighties. That he had uh, lost a bet and had to drink a cup of um, male expellent, That's all I'll say. And cup? uh, Yeah, that all of the band members, all of the band members. uh, Well, it's either he he serviced each one of the band members, or they put it in a cup and he drank it. So I can't remember. He had to be rushed in in in...
4: first place. What? You kind of have it coming. Yeah, if you make that bet in the first place, yeah. <laughs> you have it coming. Now. I mean, just putting yourself in a situation where that might be something you have to do kind of suggests that you don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, not for me.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, what you're
3: I guess saying. I wouldn't mind losing I'm,
4: this one. Yeah, well, I'm here but to that tell you. was that yeah, was a- exactly. Most people would be like, I don't care if the other uh, side of it is you know win a million dollars. It's not something I'm doing.
3: Well, there's a lot of those. I love those old rock myths. The other one that was a big one when I was growing up was the, um, uh, gosh, what is his name? Uh, uh, Phil Collins, In the Air Tonight, Mm -hmm. about how he and his buddy uh, had been out and swimming and his buddy drowned, and this guy let his friend drown instead of saving him. And then years later, Phil invited this guy to a concert, and the guy had no clue that this was him. And then he, he gave him front row seats and then sang the song to him. And I remember that story and I was like, wow, that's powerful. And if you listen to the words, it's all about how, you know, he, he'll never forgive you. I was there. I saw what you did. And and this it's a great story, but it's all urban legend.
1: Doesn't he sing in it? If you told me you were
3: drowning, I would not lend a hand. Yeah.
1: I would not lend a hand.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, re- read the lyrics and then think of the story that. that was spread around for many years. And it, it is. It, it makes a great story. But I think uh, when they used to do that behind the music, a lot of these guys were addressing the, the rumors behind the weird stories. And they were like, no, that's not what it's about at all.
1: No, it isn't. No, sadly. That's a great story, though. Yeah, it is. Sadly, it's not what it's <laughs> about, but it's a great story. I th- my favorite thing about behind the music, on it was on VH1, was it? Mm-hmm. I think it was VH1, wasn't it? Yeah. My favorite thing about Behind the Music is every episode, and I mean every episode, and then he turned to drugs and alcohol. Yes. (laughs)
3: Every Shocker. (laughs)
1: Shocker. Yeah. Then he turned to drugs and alcohol. Oh, God.
3: Well, and well, then he turned to funny. Jesus Christ was never really a, much of a, a follow-up story, though.
1: No, that's true. There's, uh-huh. there's no drama there. Yep. This is not funny at all, and I don't know why people do this. I just It just disgusts me. Someone mailed a letter with a suspicious white powder in it to Donald Trump Jr.'s house, but it turned out to be a hoax. Police said the substance appeared to be cornstarch, but Trump's wife, Vanessa, and two other people were sent to a Manhattan hospital as a precaution. The letter was addressed to Donald Jr. and postmarked from Boston. Donald Jr. tweeted, quote, Thankful that Vanessa and my children are safe and unharmed after the incredibly scary situation that occurred this morning. Truly disgusting that certain individuals choose to express their opposing views with such disturbing behavior. His sister Ivanka said, quote, No one deserves to be frightened this way. Why would you think it would be funny to mail a white powder to someone's private residence where their wife and children could be exposed to it.
3: Why would you ever do something like that? I don't know. People are weird, man. They you know, again, they feel that there's no real repercussions. How are you gonna figure out who did it? You know. Well, I guess you're not gonna figure out who right. did it. Right. So, you know, you do something and it's just and, and maybe it is a sign. Maybe it's, hey, look, look how close we got to you. So it might be we're all thinking it's just some yeah. smart aleck. And it, maybe it is a real sign. Maybe it was a wake-up call saying, you know, a threat. Here, look, look what we did this time. Next oh, time you yeah, won't be maybe. as lucky. So you don't know where it's coming from. No, yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. We'll close today's show
1: with a positive story. Not that all the stories today haven't been positive because in some way we learned something from all of them. It all works out in the end. Except uh, that uh, if you're in the Philippines, be careful if you're a woman. Yes. That's all I know. And if you're a man in Malaysia, don't have a full beard because you could go to prison for 20 years. Yikes. If you don't pay a medical bill and it's been in collections for a while, they sometimes sell that debt to another company at a deep discount. Then that company hassles you for the money while the interest keeps piling up. A reporter in Seattle named Jesse Jones recently learned more about it while he was doing a story on people struggling with medical debt and he wanted to do something to help. So last week he revealed he got the station to spend about $12,000 to buy up a million dollars worth of medical debt that was owed by people in western Washington. They're forgiving all of the million dollars in debt. About 1,000 people in their viewing area will get letters this month telling them their debt has been waived and they don't owe money anymore. The station went through a charity that specializes in this kind of thing. Their website is ripmedicaldebt.org if you want to check them out. If this whole thing sounds kind of familiar, it's probably because it's not the first time someone's done it. Last week tonight, host John Oliver got HBO to spend about 60 grand on $15 million worth of debt back in 2016. This time it was K-I-R-O Channel 7 in Seattle. So I thought we'd end on a positive note. That's very Pretty good members. idea, don't you think?
3: I wish I could have gotten my name in on that it is. list.
1: Yeah, that a little <laughs> debt here. You buy my debt for $12,000. Uh, that works. Terrific show today, fellas. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening today, of course. And we will talk to you tomorrow on The Tom Bernard Show. <laughs>